Hello, and welcome to the recap by Dive Collective. Over the next few minutes, we're going to hit the highlights of the last week's reading from our reading plan. Annika and I, and sometimes Kelly, are excited to invite you along as we read through the Bible together. You can find our reading plan at divecollective.org. It's a free download when you sign up for our newsletter. We know some love the accountability of a checklist, while others thrive from the freedom to join in whenever your schedule allows. The recap is intended to meet all of those needs. So whichever category you fit into, just know we're excited to have you here with us today. Welcome back to the recap. We are on the July 10th episode. We have moved into, what did we move into? We moved into Jeremiah. Jeremiah. Yep. We're still in Psalms and we are in Joshua. Let's start in Joshua. We start in chapter six. So Joshua is actually where it's all at for me. I don't have a lot from the other books, but what I loved about Joshua in its relation to Ruth, God's redemption in so many different places. Um, And Ruth, I don't think I've ever thought about whenever people talk about like themes in Ruth, it's always loyalty or devotion. But as I'm studying it, I'm seeing a theme of redemption in it. Yes. I don't think I've given it a ton of thought until now, but for sure, redemption is what I see in Ruth. Yeah. That's a prize, right? That's what we've talked about is how it's hard to come up with a theme that you want to emphasize as we prepare for your studies, because God shows us new things as we're studying it. I feel like that's exactly what I'm experiencing in Ruth is it's not, this was an unexpected one for me. Let's stay in Joshua for a moment. So the thing that stuck out to me this week was actually in chapter eight, verses three through eight. To give a little bit of background, what had happened was they had taken Jericho and they were told when they went into Jericho, it actually says the city and everything in it is under a holy curse and offered up to God. And then they were told not to take anything for themselves, but, or any of the cursed things that would, cause it would make trouble for everybody, but all silver and gold, all vessels of bronze and iron are holy to God, put them in God's treasury. So they were to take some things, but anything that they took was supposed to go to God's treasury. Mm-hmm. Well, at any rate, one of the guys, Aiken, Aiken, I've always heard Aiken, but okay. So Aiken takes some things from Jericho and he hides them. And then they go to prepare to take I the spies go and are like, oh, we don't have to send that many people. It's not that big of a place. And so they spend, send like two or 3000 people and to go take I, and they all come back running for their lives. And some of them die. And Joshua's like, God, why did you bring us out here to kill us? Like, just like the, they did coming mm-hmm. out of Egypt and God's like, stop, you're grumbling. There's somebody among you who's like, clean yourselves up. Something's going on in you and you need to find it and deal with it. And so Joshua brings them all together. Aiken confesses what he had done, which, you know, you kind of hope as soon as somebody confesses what they do, that the, like the end will be good for them, but that's not what happens here. No. <clears throat> um, there's a community um, stoning and burning execution that takes place to clean out the people of God. We're not going to get into that part, but then what I saw, saw then in that following chapter in chapter eight is God is telling them how they're going to take the city. They end up taking a group of Israelites behind the city to wait. And then they take up these, a bunch of Israelites, most of the Israelites actually to come up to the city. And because these people have gotten, would have some confidence about attacking the Israelites, they all come out after the Israelites and they empty the city, chasing the Israelites out of town, which then leaves the whole city open for the Israelites from the back to come in and they burn 
eye down. And I was just thinking about how cool it is that that plan worked because they had failed the first time. When you t- look at like God's hand and the way that he's, you know, we see this in Ruth and it becomes this like big theological question that honestly, I just <laughs> love that it leaves me with a giant question mark about mm-hmm. like, how does God take our sin and then use it to fulfill his plan mm-hmm. that he had from the beginning of the time, yet still allow us to have free will and not be called a puppet master? Like, how mm-hmm. does he do all of that? And there's no answer for it. Like, that's the big, that's the miracle wonder of our God. Like there's, mm-hmm. nobody can explain that. No. The wisdom of men is the foolishness of God. <laughs> like we can... Yep. Yes. But that is redemption. Like to me, like that's a picture of redemption. This guy goes and he sins horribly. The people of Israel, they're clearly repentant enough that they're going to clean their camp to the point of stoning and burning a guy that they love who did wrong. And their repentance allows God to take their sin and use it for good. And what the consequence of their sin was that they went up and they taught I that they would run and because they taught I that they would run, now they get to take the city mm-hmm. from behind. So I don't know. That was just sort of like a, whoa, that's kind of a big, that's just cool to me that he takes our sin and the consequences mm-hmm. of it. And if we are surrendered, if we're truly repentant, if we come back to him, this is true to his character. Is it not only does he forgive us, but he redeems it. Like he makes yep. it, he takes our shame and he makes it for his good and for his glory. It's so powerful. I love how you explained all of that, just because I feel like that is this theme that keeps coming up over and over and over again is our sin and God's faithfulness and that idea of his, um, his sovereignty has come up a lot too. Sovereignty. Yeah. Like his, that's really like, that's the word for all of that, right? Yeah. Like he is, yes, he is sovereignty over all of it. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot. Oh, I love the idea that <laughs> I say, I love this idea, but <laughs> I wouldn't be saying that if I was like in the heat of it, like the Israelites are often, but over and over being able to see that sin has consequences. Mm-hmm. And when we see these things happen, it's a result of sin even the conquest of AI, like you look at that city, that whole passage you read in it, like God is telling them to destroy the city and the people in it. And that sounds icky, Mm -hmm. but they were, they had rejected God. Like they weren't just random people. These were people who were, they were pagans. They did not worship God. So reconciling the consequences of sin with God's sovereignty and his faithfulness those are big, big, hard thoughts. And yet, even in Isaiah and yes. now into Jeremiah, he's just waiting. God is just waiting for them to return to him mm-hmm. and so, that, so that he can be faithful. Yes, there are consequences, but that redemption is instant when we're... Repentant. Thank you. That's what I was looking for. Mm-hmm. What were you going to say? I love that you say hard. You describe it as like hard to think about that. To me, that's, I feel like it's easy when there's no, like, it's almost easier when there's no explanation. (laughs) Oh, I totally relate to that that side of it too. I do take comfort in the fact that I can say, well, that's God and I'm not going to understand it. I get that. And yet 
there's still hard things to reconcile. And like for some people, it's harder than for others. I think it's a lot. Yes. For some people, it's really hard to say, well, God is God and I can't understand. So I'm going to be okay with that. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Like even when I think about Naomi and I think about when we got to the end of the day on Tuesday after studying it, as we talked about it more and more, and as people kind of really shared their different translations of the scriptures, realizing that Naomi was probably very surrendered to the whole, as bitter as her life was, she was in this, like, but this is God's hand upon Mm me and I'll accept that recognition. Yeah. Yeah. And I'll, I'm going to go back to him because I know he's good. I relate to that because that's how I, that, that is how I've experienced and gone through painful times. But I also recognize that like, for whatever reason, not everybody does experience it that way. And it's hard for me to, and it's hard for me to relate to that. It's hard for me to minister to people. I think that don't receive it that way because I don't, Mm -hmm. you can't teach it. Yeah. And you can't give it. It is. It's a really, really big concept that to be honest, the best part of it is if you get that, I find the most comforting part of that is that it makes it so much easier to extend grace to people who are in the midst of mm-hmm. sin. Like God sees it. He knows, and he's working out a plan. I'm, tr- I'm thinking, I'm like remembering this idea. I think it was in Psalms, but where he's almost asking for the discipline of the Lord to get him back on the right path. Does that sound familiar to you at all? No, it doesn't. Probably not Jeremiah. Jeremiah was rough. (laughs) Yep. It was in Psalms, but this ties in with what we're saying. Okay. Psalm 141. I'll start in verse three. It says, Lord, set up a guard for my mouth. Keep watch at the door of my lips. Do not let my heart turn to any evil thing or perform wicked acts with men who commit sin. Do not let me feast on their delicacies. Let the righteous one strike me. It is an act of faithful love. Let him rebuke me. It is oil for my head. Let me not refuse it. Even now my prayer is against the evil acts of the wicked. But just like David's recognition that let the righteous one strike me. It is an act of faithful love. Let him rebuke me. It is oil for my head. Let me not refuse it. It's like this inner tension. You know what I mean? Like he's like, let me not refuse it. He knows he's not going to want the discipline of the Lord. And he recognizes what it's hopefully going to accomplish in his life. Well, and I love that it comes right before he's basically like pulverize my enemies, scatter their bones at the gates of hell. I mean, he's kind of, I love that he's all right. Heart check here. I know I've got stuff and make me right. Yeah. Also, also, (laughs) also pulverize my enemies. Yeah. That mixture of righteousness, humility, and justice Mm -hmm. all in David. He's got a lot of justice for sure. He does have a lot of justice. Okay. I'm back in Joshua now. Where is it that like God chases them down with rocks? Okay. Chapter 10. I was, that was like the funniest mental picture. Yes. One of the things that's really hard for me is the idea that God chooses things for wrath like that which we see throughout scripture that like he chooses things for destruction yes, and for his own glory and to make his name known. Well, this right here, <laughs> Huge. it is 10, it's 10 it verse 10? nine through 11. God pitched huge stones on them out of the sky and many died more died from hailstones than the people of Israel killed with the sword. Yeah. 
And then, oh my goodness, we can't miss this. Joshua spoke to God with all Israel listening and says, stop son over Gideon. Mm-hmm. And that phrase, there's been no day like it before or since when the Lord listened to a man because the Lord fought for Israel. Been a day like that before or since God took orders from a human voice. Truly God fought for Israel. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, cool. I might've in my prayers today kind of been like, do you still take orders? Yeah. Listen. Well, okay. That's what I thought of when I read that. So, okay. I'm, that's this weird thing because like, it's a little different. I think the con like what is happening in the story here is a little different. And it says, though, this has never happened before since that God took orders from a man. Yeah. But it made me think of prayer. That's another huge mystery when we talk about his sovereignty and his plan and how our prayers are still effective, you know? Yes. Big stuff. Yes. I listened to the first part of the Bible project video for Jeremiah. Oh. Um, because I told like this, this prophet stuff, I don't have, I don't pretty sure I haven't studied it since college, like really. And I don't remember that. So, so Jeremiah is made up of all of his sermons from his life. So late in his life, God asks him to compile everything into a book, basically into a scroll. And so he has a scribe go back and write everything down. So this is like a lifetime of prophecy that he's, they're going back and compiling. And this beginning part is before Babylon. This is all about like before Babylon takes them over. I'm reading it as like God's word, but you were, you were saying like, okay, God, I'm kind of like, okay, Jeremiah, like we get the picture, buddy. Yeah, yeah, Let's yeah. move That's on. so much better. Yeah. That's so much better. Like, yeah, blame Jeremiah. Yeah. <laughs> he seems like Jeremiah, I have this not positive. I don't think I would like Jeremiah. He seems oh, yeah. weaselly or whiny or I don't know why. I just. I think I feel bad for him because he's where he was like you've done this to me. Like you've made this, my call, my calling yes. is to talk about how bad people are and yeah. how much you're going to just like, what a terrible thing you've given me for my yeah. life. Thanks <laughs> a lot. Yeah. Okay. This is my favorite line though. In the section of Jeremiah that we read chapter three, chapter three, verse 22. After all of this, you're the worst, you're the worst, you're the worst. It says, um, return you faithless children and I will heal your unfaithfulness. Mm. Salvation of Israel is only in the Lord, our God. I just like that line that like we can't do anything without God. He has to be the one to heal our unfaithfulness, you know, like, yes, it's so confusing. So freeing, confusing. And the only way to understand it is the Holy Spirit. Right. And that's what I keep thinking of ever since that Galatian study with that picture. I forget who said it of walking in the spirit and just like that quick step back into walking in the spirit, which is repentance. If you enjoyed this discussion and maybe you're wondering how to get more highlights out of your own scripture reading, you might be interested in joining our in-depth dive studies where we model our process of inductive Bible study. You can find out more at divecollective.org under the studies tab, and we will see you next week.